Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Alan Kenny, host of the Blatant Homerism Podcast, and we're recording this episode on Monday, April 15th, 2019. I, I'm pretty tired of talking about spring football, honestly, so I figured we'd do something a little different today. Uh, our guest is Adam McClintock. He works with our friend Dave Bartu of CFB Matrix doing advanced statistical analysis of college football. And uh, Adam's already published his 2019 season preview, uh, looking at the upcoming season. Uh, you can find that on his Patreon site at patreon.com backslash CFB underscore professor. Uh, Adam's going to talk with us about his outlook for Oklahoma and, you know, kind of another number of other kind of takeaways for the upcoming year. So let's go ahead. Welcome him on. Adam, how you doing? Pretty good, man. How are you? Oh, doing well, doing well. I'm glad to have you on. I've been following your work for a long time. Uh, you know, obviously we've had Dave on a bunch, but uh, you know, uh, you know, you're you're part of the other half of that, uh, you know, kind of combo and everything like that. So, really excited, really excited to get you on and uh, talk uh, talk some college football. Sounds great, man. Let's do it. All right, cool. So, first off, let's talk just a little bit about your process. Uh, can you tell us maybe just kind of how? It works, you know, your process for evaluating and projection, projecting teams. Um, you know, I guess, you know, so, what are some of the kind of chief stats that you look at? And, you know, do you do, like, efficiency stats for teams, that kind of thing? Well, you know, basically what I do, it, it's really simple. You know, college football, there, there's a lot of people out there who, who really try to overcomplicate it, okay? And something that me and, you know, you guys, you said you've had Dave, Dave on a couple of times. Something me and him really have in common is, we like it simple, you know, keep it simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Okay. My, um, my mathematical model that I use utilizes five different, um, different things that I really put into it every year. Um, I, I use uh, returning experience because that, that is important. It's not as important as some people make it, but it is, it is, an, it is a factor it is important. Um, but not only the returning experience, so what kind of, what kind of returning production do you have? Um, I also utilize uh, head coach ratings, um, which I'll get into in a little bit. Um, also, offensive coordinator ratings, defensive coordinator ratings. Those are all for, um, efficiency ratings. Um, I also go into um, for when it where, where it applies. I, I go into home field advantage, which is kind of a I, I take a, a kind of a different twist on, the, on it than most people do. I I actually go into the human factors of it and, and try to um, Look and see how you know what the what the average uh, attendance has been the last year or two, and then I use uh, how much you know what's the decibel level one human can make, and then kind of tie that in with the with the home win loss record, and that kind of spits out my home field advantage. Um, so those elements are really the main ones that really go into my my projections every year. It's not complicated. Um, some of the algorithms behind are a little more complicated, but just the model itself and the number of elements that go into it, that's it. There's no, I don't care about third down percentage. I don't care about, you know, any of, any of those, you know, more detailed stats. Now, some of that is baked into the offensive coordinator and, def and defensive coordinator um, efficiency ratings uh, because the, the way I do that is I have a, um, a spreadsheet that goes back to 2008 and it, and it, and it tracks every single play every single offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator has been responsible for in their career. Um, and uh, I, I, I track that and the multiple factors that, uh, that tell me how easy is it for that offensive coordinator? What is, what is the amount of effort that takes his offenses to score one point? And on the, off, on the opposite side of that, how much resistance 
is this defensive coordinator, you know, putting up before he's he's allowing one point? How you know how efficient are his defenses really? Um, and you know, you and being in Big Twelve country where everybody seems to bash your defenses every year should be, you know, acutely aware of of how pace of play affects and the number of plays affect the defense. I mean, it's and this when you look at uh, defensive efficiency in the way that I do and the way that I use in my formula, it really levels the playing field a little bit for and, and puts those Big 12 defenses in, in uh, a good comparison with the vaunted SEC defenses and some of the ones in the, in the Big Ten that are usually talked about. Right. So how hard is that to normalize for you, you know, across, uh, you know, because it's not just pace of play necessarily, but there's also, you know, level of competition that you have to take into account, that type of thing. Oh, yeah. And see, that's, that's why when, when you go look at my my um, all my statistics on, on coaches and stuff, I have there's a rating and then there's a grade, right? Mm-hmm. And what the rating is, is that is just what is that's just that pure efficiency number. What has happened regardless of talent, okay? Regardless of, of what you've had at your disposal or regardless of what you face, all right? The grade bakes into there a little bit more of, okay, it takes that, that, that rating or what, what you've done efficiency-wise and it says, okay, now what did you have on hand, you know, what kind of talent did you have in your squad, okay? And what kind of type of talent were you going against in your career? And so, like, for example, um, Alex Grinch, a good, perfect example. His rating might not, might, might not be ranked very high, but I have him as a B-plus coach because he coached at Washington State and got good results at Washington State when they were really poor talent-wise. Mm-hmm. And he was going to get Pac-12 offenses all, you know, all his career. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, okay, you take a, for example, Bill Snyder, who just retired at Kansas State. His teams are routinely in the 60s and 70s and 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 talent rankings, right? Mm-hmm. He's still able to get, you know, or he was up until his last couple of years. He was still able to put about eight, nine, you know, win teams every year in a in a Power Five conference with that type of talent. Now you you, you take somebody like, um, oh, let's think of somebody. Okay, Gus Malzahn at Auburn, who has top ten talent, and he struggles to get to that seven, eight, win, nine, nine win mark sometimes. Okay, you flip those coaches, you give Bill Snyder the talent that, that he had at Auburn, and would you know? Do you think that uh, he would get more wins out of the Auburn team than, than Gus Malzahn has? My numbers say he would, and I think a lot of people say he probably would. So. Um, that's just basically that's basically the, the difference between grading and grades, and and how that goes into uh, what what type of talent each roster is, has, and and what type of talent they're they're facing throughout their schedule throughout the year. Yeah. Now I'm looking here actually at your numbers from this year. You have Lincoln Riley. You, his grade is an A plus. Mm-hmm. That exactly. good, huh? Wow. Okay. Yeah. He, he's now that for for him is 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 really impressive because he's his. He's not, you know, he's only got two years of experience under his belt, okay? Mm-hmm. And I have him as an A-plus. I mean, he couldn't have really done much better. The teams that he's lost to have been, you know, of equal or, or better talent at times, okay? So it's, it's, it's not like he's going out and, and dropping an egg. I know they, they lost to, um, what was it, Iowa State? Yeah, they did uh, have one to Iowa State, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that was, that's the only, uh, been the only black mark on his resume so far. But, you know... One game out of how many they played, how many how many games has he played in his career at OU? Twenty eight. 
Yeah. One game yeah. out of 28. And, and, you know, some of the teams that he's played, that, you know, like TCU and, and even, you know, um, on Texas at, at, at the time, you know, he's lost to you know, one there, but, but uh, he doesn't lose the teams that generally, generally have uh, less talent than he does. He's going to go out and he's going to win those games. So um, that's, that can't be said from a lot of coaches throughout the country. It sounds like a simple concept, but, you know, you look at a lot of young coaches throughout the country, and that's not necessarily the theme. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you there, and you know, you look at it too. I mean, I guess you know, you lose one to say like Iowa State, but then you go and beat an Ohio State, right? So you get a negative one and exactly. a plus one, right? So yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. So you seem pretty high on Grinch. You just, you know, Alex Grinch. You just mentioned, you know, the work they did at Washington State with not a lot of talent. How is he, you know, you mentioned that you've got to have a good pairing of coaches in terms of style of play on offense and defense. How do you think he fits with what OU does? Oh, he does, you know, we, we have something called uh, um, pace pairing, okay? It's is kind of what I, I call it between your offensive, coordinator and your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator. And, you know, um, especially, you know, you, you see this in Big 12 country, especially where you have a – you bring a defensive coordinator who's maybe used to seeing uh, – Oklahoma State saw this last year a little bit. Okay, mm-hmm. they brought in their their the Jim Knowles, their their offensive coordinator from from or defensive coordinator from Duke, who was used to, who was used to seeing about sixty eight plays per per game per year. Okay, he got sped up in the Big Twelve to where he was. I, I don't have it right in front of me, but I think he was averaging defending around seventy five plays per game. That's almost a complete full possession per game more than what he used to. You know mm-hmm. his defense. Per, per game. That's that up throughout the year, and his defense broke down towards the end of the year as a result. Um, Alex Grinch, he has come up through the Mike Leach system. He is used to that pace. He's used to being paired with an off- offensive coordinator that wants to go fast and wants to push the number of plays. And, and, and so his defenses are aggressive, and they're predicated around um, turnovers and getting the ball back and, and, and blitzing from the student section. And, and you know, just things like that that I don't think Oklahoma fans have seen in a while. And I think the you know, Sooner fans are really going to uh, enjoy that. And it's going to be a breath of fresh air compared to what has, has been there the last two or three years. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I remember that your grades, obviously, for Mike Stoops were very poor. Um, and that's that's not a surprise, you know, uh, having having uh, watched that for the last few years. Um Let's talk, though, about your actual projections for this season. Um, you know, looking at it here, uh, looks like uh, you are expecting big things from the Sooners this year. I am, you know, and honestly, the the Big 12 uh, uh, might be a little bit down this year um, compared to last year. Last year was, was, was a pretty good year for the Big 12, I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, I have OU um, going undefeated this year, um, fairly high confidence as, as well, and, and the, the, the projection confidence is something that is kind of new this year uh, that I've implemented. And, and um, what it is, is it's, it's on a scale of 10, and basically it's a way for the model to self-check itself and tell me how confident it is in, in the projection that it's spinning out. And Oklahoma's uh, confidence uh, out, of a, out, of, out of 10 is a 9.1. So it's, it's pretty confident they're going to go on the feed. There's only one game it sees that could be a... a, a um, trip-up game, and that's versus Texas, um, mm-hmm. which I think, 
know, isn't a surprise to, to most people who are familiar with that rivalry. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, uh, um, I, I think anytime you, you, you give uh, Lincoln Riley the type of talent he has on offense and then you, you, you bring in a quarterback with as much ability as Jalen Hurts, I don't think you're going to see that offense skip too many beats. I mean, um, I know coming into last year, people were worried about, you know, Baker Mayfield leaving, and I was one of the ones who said that, you know, you give Lincoln Riley a play caller and offensive line like him, an athlete like Kyler Murray at quarterback, and there's good reason for a lot of uh, defensive coordinators in the in the country to be losing sleep. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way about Jalen Hurts. Um, I mean, the guy went 26-2 and two at Alabama, and – and what's supposed? I know it's, they they had a lot of talent at Alabama, but he was all, he was also going against supposedly the best defenses in the country every week, and and was putting up numbers. So you put him in a system that showcases offense more, like Oklahoma's, and I, I don't I think you know um, you're going to have another banner year on offense. Now defense, um, I I think you're you're, you're going to see improvement, but I don't think you should you should you should really expect um, a top. 30 defense right away. That's not how this works, I don't believe. Um, Grinch in his first year, I mean, last year was, right, last year's defense was ranked in the hundreds in a lot of categories. Mm-hmm. If he can get him up into the 70s and 80s, I think that is a big improvement, and that might get Oklahoma to, to where they want to be um, come college football playoff time. Interesting. Okay. Um, you mentioned the uh, degree of confidence. You know, you have it as at a, uh, a 9.1, uh, you know, that's out of 10. I got to assume that, you know, that's pretty unusual, right, for it to be that high? Um, for, for an undefeated team, yes. For a team that it picks to be undefeated, there's only a couple other teams that are um, where the confidence is that high and they're undefeated, and that's Alabama and Clemson. Mm-hmm. So okay. that, that's some pretty rarefied air there they're uh, being mentioned in with there. So yeah, that's, that's not something that's, that's, that happens for every team who's undefeated, who's projected to go undefeated. Adam, how do you see the rest of the big 12 shaking out here? I mean, uh, last year we got an OU Texas rematch in the uh, big 12 championship game. Are, are we looking at that again this year? Possibly. Um, I, I, I of course have the Sooners in, in, in the big 12 title game um, going undefeated and getting there. But behind them, there's a three-way tie for second is what's projected between TCU, Texas, and West Virginia. Now, um, the confidence level for Texas, I, I believe, is a little bit higher than what it is for TCU and West Virginia. So it does expect there's a better chance for Texas to beat it than there is TCU and West Virginia. But there could be a log jam there at second, and it could come down. It could be a pretty interesting race for, for that next spot in the Big 12 title game. But, but uh, look at the confidence level, it looks like Texas is, is the most has the most confidence of, of getting there. So, yeah, it, it appears it could be another Oklahoma-Texas rematch, which I don't have a problem with. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, now, now I want to get to your read on Texas here in a second, but I mean, you mentioned two teams there that I know people aren't expecting a lot out of this year. At least, you know, West Virginia is one that is, uh, you know, a lot of pundits are expecting them to have a rough year, but you're saying that they're going to, you know, end up, you know, looking at like 10 wins. That's, uh, that's pretty, that's, uh, pretty shocking, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's, I scratched my head at that one for sure. But the, but when I dove down into uh, what the model was thinking, first of off, first off, the, the confidence isn't very high. It's only a four point eight out of ten for them to get to that level. Um, there's a lot of close games they they they'd have to win in there. But if it does shake out the way this is projecting, and it'll be a lot to, uh, to do with Neil Brown and the new coaching staff they brought in. It's 
it has a lot of more respect for Neil Brown and, and him as an offensive play caller and Vic Coning as a defensive coordinator than it, than it did the, the previous staff, Daniel Holgerson and his staff there. Um, it's got Neil Brown as an A-minus a head coach, and it had uh, Dana Holgerson as a C-plus, I believe. So they took a pretty big um, bump in, uh, in, you know, in, in coaching acumen there. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, anytime a, a, a coaching staff bumps up from G5 to, to, to a Power 5 conference, sometimes there's a lag, and his first year isn't as good as what, is, is, is what the model believes it will be. But uh, we'll see. You know, that, that's, that's why they, they play these games, and that's why we watch. So mm-hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see what West Virginia comes out with this year. Yeah, I can see looking here at your numbers why there's uh, such a you know the conference level. You got the record floor for them at like four and eight, and then the record ceiling at eleven and one. That's a huge disparity. Yeah. So, yeah, they could be yeah, in a exactly. lot of close games. Yeah, but uh, no, I thought that that higher. I thought Neil Brown and especially Yimbrian Coning with him. Uh, I mean, they. I thought that West Virginia hit that one out of the park. Honestly, I agree. I agree. I think that was a massive upgrade. You know, um, you know. It, Dana Holgerson has proven in his career to be a good play caller at times, um, but uh, I think he really struggled recruiting West Virginia because you know he, he he's a Texas guy. He, he yeah. his roots are in Texas. That's where he that's where he wanted to pull his recruits from. Hard to do that in West Virginia in Morgantown. Yeah. You get a guy yeah. Neil Brown who's more familiar with you know, the Tennessee, Kentucky, you know that area, and maybe the Ohio area is a little bit more than able to pull more from those recruiting grounds and and. Not, not to mention, he did some pretty, you know, special things at Troy there while he was there. So, um, you know, it's it, it'll, it'll be interesting, inter- interesting to see what he does in Morgantown and how that shakes out. And it looks like, yeah, a lot of volatility here expected for TCU. Also, I mean, uh, y- they could go a lot of different ways. It seems like with uh, with this season. Exactly. Yeah, I had their conference level is, is a five out of ten, which is which is pretty shaky. Um, the model doesn't really. I, th- I think a lot of that is. It's there's a lot of uncertainty in that coaching staff. It doesn't know what to think of Sonny Cumbie quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary Patterson has, you know, he's got a reputation as a great defensive coach, great, great defensive mind. But since he took over play calling four years ago, um, uh, for uh, I can't remember who the uh, Dick Bumpus was. Oh, the, Bumpus, was like, yeah. Was the, yeah, yeah. Since he took over for defensive play calling for Big Bumpus four years ago, the defense hasn't been that great. It's, he's he's got about a C plus grade as, as a defensive coordinator since that time, so he's just a little bit above average. Um, now he is a good game coach, um, and so I, that's why the, the the model gives him a lot of uh, of leeway in these toss up games, and he, a lot of the toss up games go his way um, because of that. Um, We'll see. You know, he's got games against, you know, like at Iowa State. That's never Ames is never a fun place to go for anybody. You know, it's it's that's, that's a tough place to go play. He's got to go to Oklahoma State. He's got to go. Um, you know, those are those are some some tricky road games in there. That has as as wins as toss up games. So we'll, we'll see how that shakes out as well. Now I'm looking at your numbers here for Texas. Um, you know. A lot of toss-ups here too. Five five toss-up games. It looks like, um, you know, that's that's interesting to me because it would you'd think that a team that uh, it recruits the way Texas does and enjoys kind of a, a pretty big talent discrepancy. I mean, they should be. You would think that they would be putting, uh, you know, kind of more distance, I guess, between the rest of the conference, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, you you would, but then you you look at how young they are in, in, in certain areas. I mean, they only have basically nine returning starters off their starting yeah. twenty-two. Yeah. You know, so it, it, while it recognizes it has them as as the eleventh most talented roster in the country, but I mean, they're they're only returning three defensive starters, and that entire secondary is gone. Mm-hmm. So um, they're 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 high in, in talent. They're, they're it likes their coaching staff all right. I mean, if if it liked it a lot better if Tom Herman was calling plays instead of Tim yeah, Beck, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the things as as they are, um, uh, it's it's more of a matter of of experience right now for Texas. That that's their big, you know, it, it's not a huge factor in, in my model, but it's enough of one where we, when you're only returning nine guys off of a 22 you know man roster, it it, it, it is a little bit of a hit. Yeah. Um, if Texas can get to nine or ten wins and, and get it back to the uh, Big 12 title game and and uh, making an appearance there. Next year is really the year to watch for Texas and then watch them to be strong so, like, because it, it'll it'll be a um, um, uh, uh, their quarterback will be a, will be a, a, a senior at that point in time. Uh, Sam Ellinger, yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll be a senior at that point in time, and uh, that defense will be loaded. And, and Todd Orlando is a very good defensive coordinator. That's that's when the the real you know time for them to come up and challenge OU will be will be next year. This year is still kind of a trans, uh, not really a transition year, but it's it's a year where a lot of this young talent is is going to be expected to take on some some pretty big roles. So looking around the rest of the Big Twelve, um, you know we've we've talked about the contenders. Anything else really stand out to you about uh, overall what uh, what we should be looking for this year? Um, in the, not in the Big Twelve. I think we oh um, Kansas State. Uh, I look for them to be down in their first yeah, year. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I re- used to refer to Bill Snyder as, uh, you know, Gandalf the Purple because he's a wizard. <laughs> yeah. And what he was able to do with, with, with that talent there, you know, it's just, it's not going to, Chris Kleiman, I think he's a good coach. I think he's, he's right for Kansas State, but he's not going to be able to replicate that in his first two or three recruiting cycles. So, um, they need to give him time there, let him get his, some more talent into that program, let him establish his culture. And, but uh, the first two or years or so of his, of his, you know, regime there could be rough for for Kansas State. Um, as far as across the country, something to look out for is uh, is look for Tennessee to come back and make a little bit more of a more noise in the SEC East than they have the last three or four years. Um, I, I still think Georgia wins that division pretty handily, but Florida and Tennessee are are, are not going away. Um, I have Tennessee winning nine games this year, which is a big jump from their six wins last year. Um, I think. Pruitt's a good coach there. He um, is bringing the talent. Uh, he's he's in, increased their talent uh, since Bush Jones is, since since Bush Jones left, and uh, the talent he's brought in is is staying and is being developed a little bit more than what Bush Jones was able to do. So we got for Tennessee to, to kind of return to to um, challenge the SEC East. Um, that's really the biggest one off the top of my head that I'm able to 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 think of. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe um, Auburn having yeah. Auburn having a down season in SEC West seven to five. They're a good team, but their their schedule's just brutal. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the the two to look for this year. Yeah, and I guess one that that stuck out to me was Virginia Tech going eleven and one. Um, you know, they've had uh, they had a kind of a down year last year and a lot of roster attrition, but it sounds like your numbers don't think they're going to. That's going to affect them a whole lot, huh? And that's 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 another one that I'd 
off the top of my head, but now that you say that, yeah, that's one that made me scratch my head when I saw that. Um, a lot of that has to do with, and you know, I, I checked that immediately when I saw that to make sure I hadn't, there wasn't an error or any error. <laughs> yeah. A lot, a lot of that is that they, they have the 70th ranked strength schedule in the country, according to my metrics. Mm-hmm. And they have, you know, an experienced team coming back. Yeah, they had a lot of, they've had a lot of, you know, rostered, you know, musical chairs, but, but they, 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 they do have a lot of guys returning back in a division, which is kind of up for grabs right now. You know, Miami has kind of failed to, to really step up and take control there. Georgia Tech is in a coaching change. It's going to have a down year because their system change is going to be immense. Um, so really, you look at Virginia Tech's roster. They have, you know, at Boston College, which they out-talent and should, you know, mm-hmm. win that game seven times out of ten. Oh, gosh, they've got two FCS games. Furman yeah, exactly. and Rhode Island. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, now you're kind of seeing, you know, it, yeah, it's 11-1, but they're kind of a paper tiger if they get to that point. So, um We'll we'll see if that actually happens in Blacksburg. I mean, the schedules that the schedules there in front of them. It's a perfect schedule for them to gain some momentum. But we'll see if they take care of it or take care of business. And if Fuente can can get that double di- double digit win season that they want down there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, so I mean, you know, are you are you putting together any uh, preliminary playoff projections right now? Um, right now, the my, the four teams that I can see. Um, getting into the getting into the playoff are um, uh, it's kind of redundant, but you know, until somebody <laughs> knocks these people out of place, it's it's kind of what it is. Alabama is there, Clemson's there, OU's there, and Michigan's there. Michigan is, is the fourth team, according to my uh, according to my projections right now. All this stuff will be uh, updated and re-released in August because there's always a bunch of roster changes between now and 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 when actually you know, fall camp starts again in August. So, um, but as of right now, Michigan is that fourth team, um, to get in, uh, uh, Washington might be another one to look at, but they are less likely to go undefeated than Michigan is. Got it. My projection. Got it. Okay. Well, um, again, so, you know, I'm glad you mentioned, uh, you know, the updating of your projections. Why don't you tell everybody about how they can find your work and, uh, and whatnot. Yeah, you can. Uh, there's two ways you, you you can get the 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 full gamut of all my stuff is on my Patreon site. So just go to uh, patreon.com uh, backslash cfp underscore professor. That's where you can you can find my uh, all my work that I publish is, is there. And also follow me on Twitter at cfp underscore professor. Um, I'm I'm usually tweeting something every every day during football season. So um, um, uh, follow me and also uh, you know follow Dave Bar too and. And we'll try to keep you entertained as well as educated when it comes to football season. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I love about following Adam is that he's really good about interacting with people if you have questions or about his numbers. I mean, you know, he's really, really responsive to that kind of stuff, too. So, uh, like I mentioned the other day, I, you know, I was out, uh, you know, kind of pimping his stuff, you know, but uh, really, I mean, uh, it's very informative. It's really, really solid work. Um, I, you know, I've been, I, you know, obviously I've had Dave on a bunch, but, you know, I thought, I think that him teaming up with Adam, the work they've done the past few years has been really, really quality always. So, uh, you know, this has my, uh, you know, seal of approval for you folks. If that, uh, if that means anything to you. So anyway, well, Adam, thank you so much, man, for coming on. I really do appreciate it, man. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I can't wait to football season. Yeah, I'm with you, man. We've only got like, what, uh, 
five months or something like that. But you know, we'll, oh, we'll get there. The we'll drought begins, right? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. But we'll get there. Well, again, thanks to uh, my guest Adam McClintock. You can uh, find his work at his Patreon site at patreoncom cfb underscore professor. I'll have a link to that uh, on my website. And uh, thanks to you all for joining us too for the Boynton Homerism Podcast. I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.